1: Warm Welcome to the afternoon show. I am Fan Bennett in for Bill Arnold today. Thanks so much for tuning in. You know, I have, I've been looking forward to this time together all week now, actually, and my eagerness for the conversation that we are going to have has, has really grown as I have spent some, some personal time in the material that we're going to be discussing. We are going to be hearing from Pastor Vermon Pierre this hour and then we're going to hear from Dr. Gary Lovejoy next hour. And I'm going to introduce you to Pastor Vermon here in in just a moment, but I am I'm grateful that we're having these two conversations together back to back because there is a theme between them and it's a theme that I want to invite you to meditate on as we begin our time together. This afternoon. And that theme is this. This is how I am I'm, I'm theming this afternoon's conversation. The God of the universe is madly in love with his bride. Let me, let me say that one more time. The God of the universe is madly in love with his bride. And of course, his bride is the church, and you, you are the church. So you are madly loved, by the God of the universe. And I have I've grown in excitement about this conversation because there's almost an, an unspeakable joy and an intimacy in that imagery, that we are the object of the Almighty God's affection. And you know, if, if that if that weren't amazing enough, we were also made in God's image. So a central part of our calling here on earth is to emulate our creator. And we do that by modeling the love that he has for us in the way that we love others. We do it in the way that we steward our own marriages, and we do it in the way that we respond with love to our God. And so uh, next hour, we're going to talk with Dr. Lovejoy specifically about marriages, and we're going to draw from marriages in the Bible and the lessons that they teach us. But this hour— we have a conversation on tap with pastor vermon pierre and this is going to be so good uh, you guys this is uh pa- pastor vermon has a new book out it's called dearly beloved how god's love for his church deepens our love for each other and i want to really invite you to lean into this conversation in a couple of very specific ways first uh, what what an astounding blessing it is to be god's dearly beloved. And so I want to invite you to posture yourself in that reality, that you are God's beloved as we talk with Pastor Vermone. And then second, I, I, I really love how this book invites us to reflect that intimate love that we receive from God in the way that we interact with the world around us. And so I just want to challenge you to keep sort of that second objective also at the front of your mind over these next several minutes of our, of our conversation. I know this conversation is going to bless you, and I'm, I'm trusting that you're going to walk away uh, deeply loved and also empowered to love deeply. And so with that sort of as the backdrop for these conversations, let me introduce you to Pastor Vermon Pierre. He is the lead pastor at Roosevelt Community Church. It's a diverse, multi-ethnic congregation in downtown Phoenix, Arizona. He is also the author of Gospel-Shaped Living and he is a contributor to both the New City Catechism devotional, 15 Things Seminary Couldn't Teach Me, as well as Revisiting Faithful Faithful Presence to Change the World Five Years Later. And as I mentioned just a moment ago, he is also the author of the book that we're going to be drawing from today. The title is Dearly Beloved, How God's Love for His Church Deepens Our Love for Each Other. So uh, uh, also Pastor Vermon and his wife, Danae they live in downtown Phoenix and they have five children. So uh, Pastor Vermon Pierre, thank you for giving us a little bit of your time today, and welcome to the afternoon show.
2: Thanks so much. It's uh, great to be with you.
1: We are really delighted to be having this conversation with you. I'm grateful that you have written this book. And I, I, I mentioned this in the open, but I love the structure of this book. I love that you open with two chapters really emphasizing and laying the foundation that we are beloved and how we are beloved. And then you spend nine chapters sort of, I, I I describe it this way, inspiring us to live out of that belovedness. So, so thank you for that. And I can't wait to dig into the content, but I want to lay a little foundation first. I want to hear about you. I want to hear about God's call on your life and what led you to this place of pastoring and authoring. Um, I'll ask you about your, your your family and your church in just a moment here, but let's start with you. Who is Pastor Vermon Pierre, and how is it that God has called you to this place in ministry?
2: Thanks so much. Um, well, I'm originally from the New York and New Jersey area. I was born in Brooklyn, I grew up in northern New Jersey, I went to seminary in the Chicago area at Trinity, and then came to the Phoenix area at the end of 2002. And I came here to do a a two-year post-seminary residency at a church called Kalmavac Bible Church. My original plan was to move back east, but then they asked me to stay and help start a new church in downtown Phoenix. Uh, And that's what ended up happening. Uh, Beginning of 2005, uh, we started Roosevelt Community Church. Uh, I was the lead pastor and founding pastor, and I'm still here all these years later. And um, the book was, in many ways, inspired by what it is for me uh, to leave a church like our church, Um, something that's always been important to me in the churches, any type of church I've been part of, but certainly a church that I'm the lead pastor of, is how do we bring people together? How do we keep them together? If there's a calling card for my ministry, it's that. I'm I'm constantly thinking about that question. Uh, What draws us to one another, but not just that, what actually has us be connected and stay connected to to each other. And the book, in many ways, was inspired by my awareness, and I'm not the only one who's, who's just felt this, uh, how hard that is to do in these days, in this day. Um, We're more divided, more separate from one another. And so the book was really inspired by me thinking, what are some of the best ways, strongest ways we can talk about how we might relate to one another, how we might be, how we might love one another, because that's really what brings us together and keeps us together.
1: I love that so much, Pastor. There is a, an individual in my life, Pastor Joshua Simonette, who has really uh, invested in me a great deal in this topic, and so I'm so grateful to hear you uh, speaking and, and leading along those lines. A couple of things from uh, your little introduction there. You, you mentioned New York and Chicago. I'm hoping that my status as a Chicago Cubs fan is echoed by you and that you're not a Mets or a Yankees fan. Any any comment on that? <laughs>
2: um. Well, I was a Yankee fan during college, but uh, okay. I've, I'm, I'm no longer quite there anymore. So I have to. So maybe that gives me a pass. I was I was a former Yankee, okay. fan, but I can't say I'm active in that uh, that fandom.
1: <laughs> I, I, I guess we can continue the conversation. I'll, I'll take that as a as, <laughs> as, a, as a maybe. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> d- talk to me. <laughs> your your wife is Danae. You have uh, five children. Uh, I am one of seven, actually, so I know how much fun uh, growing up in a large <laughs> family can be. I also know that it's crazy, Pastor. So, so tell me about that. Yes. Tell me about Danae and your children. And you mentioned your church just a little bit, but give us a give us a glimpse into your church family as well, Roosevelt Community Church.
2: So, yes, I have uh, five children ranging from twenty two to two and a half, uh, hmm. and uh, that, that two and a half year old was was definitely a surprise. Uh, so, yeah, the, the, the next. Next child above her is about, I think, seven years older than her, and so that was, uh, she's fun, but it was definitely uh, something I'm still wrapping my mind around that <laughs> we have a two and a half year old, but uh, <laughs> but she's great. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, my wife, Danae, we got married in uh, 2007, and amazing, she's amazing and does everything, she does a lot of work helping, church. there's a lot of things helping churches work uh, well together, and so she helps a lead a, a local church network, and then is involved very much in City to City, uh, which is an organization that Tim Keller started, and so does great work there. And many of the things I, I think about in terms of what brings people together, she's thinking about the level levels, like what what helps churches work better together. So a lot of uh, cross parallel there. In um, our church, uh, yeah, I mean we're uh, we're a church that has uh, start started in a part of Phoenix that was pretty much dead and empty. Uh, we were. In many ways, it was not a cool place to start a church, but we felt there was a need there, and uh, we've been blessed because the area has sort of revitalized around us over the last uh, twenty plus twenty years or so, I guess. And um, and yeah, it's been it's been amazing to see sort of the, the lots of different types of people who are here. Downtown Phoenix tends to be a place of a lot of diversity, so I think our church uh, has been well situated by the Lord to sort of represent what it looks like to have people be together in community, not to sort of associate with one another, going to the same restaurants or working in the same gym, but actually have deep, intimate relationships with one another, uh, born out of the, the love we have for God and, and thus the love we have for one another.
1: I love that so much, and you mentioned Pastor Keller. He's modeled this so well over the years. My brother's a member of one of his uh, campuses up in up in New York, and so grateful for his service. Oh, yeah. Also grateful for pastors' wives all across the country, all around the world, really unsung heroes. So grateful for uh, you mentioning that. Let's let's dig into the book a little bit here, and, and let me let me start with this, Pastor Vermon. I, I want to sort of set the conversation up because you write this in the book, and I. I love this. You write, Marriage isn't the only metaphor used in the Bible to describe the relationship of God to his people. God is rightly described as being a king over us. God can also be said to be our shepherd. He is also father to us. These are all important metaphors to to help us understand how we relate to him. However, out of all the ways to describe how God is toward us, arguably the most distinctive and striking metaphor is to say that God is a husband, a husband, to us so so pastor just to kind of set this up why why marriage why is that such a prominent biblical metaphor for our relationship with god
2: i think uh the scripture it just wants to impress with us all the ways in which god leans in towards us and cares about us and i I think we uh, we should always just be amazed by all the different metaphors that are used god relating to us as a father god uh caring for us, that the shepherd cares for his sheep, Uh, Bible just reinforcing God's attention, God's care for us. Uh, But I think arguably the the idea that God is like a husband towards us, that he relates to us like a husband towards his uh, beloved bride, um, I think that that brings almost everything together. It it enters us into a realm of thinking about God's relationship with us that invites intimacy, affection, delight. speaks of commitment. Um, It speaks of perseverance when there's difficulty. It brings a lot of things together. And I think it opens up a sort of vista for us that when we think of God of the universe uh, at the very center of the story that holds the universe together is a love story. Uh, It's God loving us, pursuing us, choosing us for himself, living with us, and committing to live with us forever. Uh, Marriage uh, captures all of that. And I think the Bible wants us to to think of that metaphor as a, as a really a, one of the strongest ways we can understand just what kind of god we have
1: that's so good I, I love it so much and that's why I set the conversation up with the God of the universe loves us in this intimate way and we should reflect that to others pastor we're going to take a a short break after the break I want to I want to tap into the sort of that second side uh, side of this setup foundation how we're supposed to reflect that love uh, to others but we'll take a short break first I am talking to pastor Vermon Pierre he is the lead pastor at Roosevelt Community Church he's also the author of dearly beloved how God's love for his church church, deepens our love for each other. And we're going to have a more conversation about the book, but if you want to text in a question for Pastor Ramon, you can do that to 877-933-2484. Again, it's 877-933-2484. On the other side of the break, we'll we'll talk about the the other side of this equation, and then we will actually talk real practical application. How can we live as a people who are beloved? I'm Fan Bennett, sitting in for Bill today on The Afternoon Show. My guest is Pastor Ramon Pierre, and we will be back with more right after this.
0: You? Well, you're loved. I get it. It might not always feel like that, but the truth is God knows you and where you are at all times. He actually loves you so much— he calls you his. If you would like to discover, maybe even rediscover that relationship with him, consider attending the Set Apart Conference for Women on March 8th and 9th. Go to setapartconference.com and register today.
1: We're talking marriage today on the afternoon show with Bill Arnold. On Than Bennett sitting in for Bill today. My guest is Pastor Vermon Pierre of Roosevelt Community Church. He's the author of Dearly Beloved: How God's Love for His Church Deepens Our Love for Each Other. And before the break, we were talking about how we are beloved to the Lord, Pastor. We are we're, we're the object of His great affection. I can I can hardly you know get over that concept. It's something that we have to remind ourselves each and every day. But here's the the other side of the, the equation. We're, we're also made in his image. And so we're invited to to mimic that love through being beloved to one another. And so that's the second part of this equation in these first two chapters as you set up the book. And, and I, really, I really appreciate how you include both of these in this foundational aspect, really before you even get into the real practical application that this should be a part of who we are. And you talked a little bit how that's played out in your church. But um, this relational aspect of being beloved to one another is is presented in the book as being part of our makeup. So unpack that part of the equation for us just a little bit. Belovedness and being beloved specifically to one another.
2: Yeah, if I could summarize the book in, a, in, a, in one sentence, it would be that we are beloved to God, and because we're beloved to God, it uh, makes us beloved to one another. And Which is to say that, not that we're wed to one another, uh, we're only spiritually wed to, to the Lord, but because the Lord is now in us uh, by His Spirit, He allows us to see one another uh, with the with His eyes, to feel towards one another the way He feels towards us. Um, I like to think of it in this way, that it, imagine your soul is this well, and it, that well is, is polluted by sin, and God is now cleansed it entirely of sin, and he's put fresh water in, he's put the water of his love. And within that well is his beloved love. And, and so when I think of what it is to love others, I'm drawing from a well of beloved love, and it invites me then to love with intimacy, with delight, with affection, all the different ways that I practically go into inside the book. And there's so many scriptures that speak of this. You know, So um, we hear about Roman in Romans 5, it talks about God's love being poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. First uh, John 4, 7, makes that direct point. If God so loved us, and I want to suggest that that phrase, if God so loved us, suggests all the different ways God has loved us. Uh, and particularly think of how God loved us by dying for us. Uh, uh, in the same way, the Ephesians talks about Christ loving us uh, and giving up his life for us and husbands are to imitate that same love. So this ways, all the different ways in which God has loved us exemplified uh, through that metaphor of a husband loving his wife. First John tells us, God so loved us in this way, so also we ought to love one another. So it becomes a a direct connection. I think that's helpful and encouraging because then my natural instinct on my own might not be to move in love towards others. Uh, But it's not my instinct in me. It's the Word's instincts within me. It's his spirit within me. And the more I'm aware of and receive his love into my life, it will allow me then to love others in the same way.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I, I so appreciated the passage on uh, Romans 5. I, I, I may circle back to it in a little bit, but uh, you wrote this at the end of that section. This unity is possible as we abide in all of his love. As God's people, we are filled with all of his love for us, which means for loving one another, we have available to us, necessary to us, the most passionate, fervent, committed dimension of God's love, his marital, beloved love uh, w- well done pastor I love that let's um, let's let 's talk application here for a moment, live, living this out. There are a lot of different ways we could go with this. You win a lot of different ways in the in the final nine chapters of the book, but this is sort of where we we move in the conversation from having this assurance that results from being beloved to Being active vessels, right? Active vessels of belovedness. So let's talk about a few of them. You start in the book with initiative. Talk to us about initiative and how is that part of living beloved?
2: So the the rest of the book is essentially using that same framework, considering first how God shows uh, that particular example of of love. And then because God shows that same love towards us, we can show it to, to one another. And so initiative, uh, we begin with how God uh, shows initiative towards us. Uh, and the Bible makes clear that essentially God's first thought towards us was a thought of love. When he thinks of his people before the foundations of the world, God chose us for himself. He moved towards us. Um, I mentioned first John 4 already, and uh, you know it also says in that chapter, uh, it's not that we first loved God, but that he first loved us. Um, and so it's a view of that that God' moves towards love, love towards us and initiates love towards us in order to establish a relationship with us, that same initiating love is also within us. So it allows us then and gives us, I think, this, this category of what it is to have a relationship with one another. Uh, so many of our relationships begin or uh, are, are really grounded in more passive passiveness. Um, I think in many ways we're, we're taught to sort of expect people to cater to us and our interests. We almost treat relationships like we're going to a restaurant. I come and sit here mm-hmm. and people come and serve me. Um, but if you're a Christian uh, and the spirit is in you, um, it's quite the reverse. Uh, we move towards others and allows us to sort of lean in towards others without expectation, without prompting, uh, without having to sort of be cajoled into it. Uh, Again, because we see people the way the Lord sees us. uh, And the Lord saw us and said instantly, I want to be with them. I want to be with them and I'm going to pursue them. It's that same way that that sort of God's love, I think i mentioned in the book, uh, kind of like revs our engine uh, and drives us then towards one another. um, So that we can sort of begin those type of relationships and stay in those type of relationships. So it encourages us, very practically speaking, to to make that phone call. If the even thought enters into your mind, I should phone that person. Maybe I should text that person. If that person maybe seems somewhat emotional about something after a service, uh, the thought enters to, maybe I should ask. And that's the thought of the Lord in you, to initiate and to ask. Um, all those things, I think, add to the relationships we have, uh, grow us in love for one another.
1: I think this was the portion of the book that made me think the most about application to other people in in emulating our God and mimicking his character. You know you said it just a moment ago, we love because God first loved us, and we didn't have to initiate that, but if we 're going to model that if we're going if we 're going to mimic it to those around us, then we are the initiators so that was that application point for me was was really really powerful pastor um I want to ask you about the the, the next uh, chapter of application. You talk about words and. You know, I think, um, I think this one might seem obvious. Uh, you, you know, you write that love, uh, love is expressed in words, but, I've got to tell you, I so uh, about a month ago, I lost a, a dear friend way too early to uh, to lung cancer. And, and um, wow. Pastor, it was um, one of the most precious gifts I have ever been given to have multiple conversations with him in the days leading up to his transition to his heavenly home to see Jesus face-to-face that he did not hold back on expressing words of love. And I think especially for... Men, I know this is painting with a broad brush, but I would certainly put myself in this line. That is is not something that we do particularly naturally is express love with our words, especially with each other, right? And so it was such a precious gift for me. And so when I read this chapter, that's what I thought of. Um, And I just say a word about uh, the importance of using words to communicate love to each other
2: all creation begins uh, by the word of God. God speaks and mm-hmm. all things come into existence. It sort of speaks to uh, the power of, of words. Uh, so sort of the power of words coming from from the Lord and, you know, drawing from the, that previous chapter initiative, I think it's, it's pretty stunning to think that essentially God's first words towards us um, before there was, even God said, let there be light. God was essentially saying to us, I love you. I'm going to, I choose you. I'm going to save you. I'm going to do whatever it takes to save you. And we see God, reinforcing those words over and over again, even as Israel uh, in various iterations, uh, sometimes follows God, doesn't follow God. And, and God's frustration with Israel, he always comes back to, I'm gonna keep my promise, uh, constantly reminds them, uh, sends the law to them again, even after they sinned against them in, in Mount Sinai, essentially promising to stay committed to them and to make a way eventually when all peoples, uh, you know, people from every tribe, language and nation uh, Uh, might be brought together is sort of the beginning of what God would eventually do, drawing people from all over uh, into what we call the church uh, and choosing to be in relationship with us, choosing uh, to make us his beloved bride. And so I think words then as seen from the Lord um, then become a powerful means by which we show uh, affection and love for each other. And as you just said, I mean, the the real significance of words uh, can be the most powerful things in people's lives. There's words that people have spoken to you that you still remember. And there's words people spoken to you that uh, that were harsh and mean, and you've never forgotten them. That's their power. And the word has given us the power now to use words not in destructive ways, but in ways that that really echo into eternity. And so, I think in the book, I talk about you know using our words to really notice and see people, um, using our words to really honor and appreciate others, um, using our words to bless and affirm others. And how significant that is for some of us never received any blessing affirmation maybe from our family members or from. Other environments that we're in, um, how significant it is then for for a believer maybe today uh, in your life to to give a word of blessing and affirmation to you, and for you to do the same to them.
1: Amen and amen. The book is dearly beloved. How God's love for His church deepens our love for each other. The author is Pastor v- Vermon Pierre. Uh, Pastor, let me let me change gears for just a moment here. I, I do want to ask about a few more of the of the ways that you say we can specifically live beloved, but first I, I want to just kind of drill down there on and get your thoughts on, um, how counter-cultural this is, right? We, we live in a world, you, you said it, and you, you said it in the book too. If it's, it's, it's a world of division and disunity very frequently. And, you know, unfortunately that's, that's certainly true among followers of Jesus too. We're, we're not immune from this. You know, we, um, Many of us don't feel or live beloved. I, I think that's probably fair to say. So how do you encourage us to deal with that cultural moment? How can we love one another with a commitment as though it were a marriage, even though you know, most of the inputs around us, I would say anyway, are to the contrary? How do we choose commitment in that moment?
2: Well, we recognize how hard it is, um, how uh, more so than ever, we have uh, messaging and environments that reinforce the idea that essentially what what would you need the most is people who are like you, who think like you, who act like you, and you have to press into that in, in every way possible. So we're living very very sort of strong cultural trends uh, away from what the scripture says. Um, but that's again you know, the power of the gospel. and we have to believe the, the, the gospel message is big enough and strong enough against all those type of messaging. And I've, I've said this in, in other settings. In some ways, it's, it's simple geography. We have been drawn to God in Jesus Christ. And if you really believe, yes, I have the word in my life. I'm a Christian. I, I believe in him. I've been drawn to Jesus. Uh, simple geography tells you, well, others have been drawn to Jesus as well. So you're all meeting at the same place um, mm-hmm. by simple proximity. If The closer you are to Jesus, the closer you have to be to the other people because mm-hmm. they're also being drawn closer mm-hmm. to Jesus you never will be sort of like magnetizes us <laughs> to one another because we're being magnetized to, to the Lord. Uh, and, and in that sense, then I almost want to tie it very much into people's faith, which I know people care about. If you really care about your faith, really care about your, your love, your relationship with the Lord, and want to grow in that, it can't happen apart from a uh, relationship with other people. Um, you can't sort of divide other people from yourself and try to grow closer to Jesus. He doesn't, he doesn't partition us away from one another. Uh, his, his, uh, to be in Jesus is to be in a big room with everyone else, uh, and to be connected to one another. I think that 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 sense uh, is uh, an important way in which by we by which by which we counter those messages and, and represent something very different.
1: So so good. I appreciate that. We're gonna, we're going to take a short break. I, I just want to read a, a, a blurb that reinforces what Pastor Vermon just said about this specific topic in this moment uh, in our culture. Uh, Pastor Vermon writes this. The sad reality is there are more repelling tendencies rather than attracting tendencies in our current cultural moment. People increasingly find their own sense of self from how they are unlike others and from their public opposition to those groups that are not part of their particular identity group. This polarization is not just within the broader culture. It is also within the church. But I love what Pastor Vermone said just now, just just drawing us back to hope. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And so as we draw closer to Jesus, we're also drawing closer to each other, those who are already in Jesus. uh, We're also, I think, uh, uh, increased in our ability to reach uh, the lost and to, to draw them into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. So appreciate that so much pastor vermone uh, it's pastor vermone pierre of roosevelt community church he's my guest this afternoon on the afternoon show the book is dearly beloved how god's love for his church deepens our love for each other and we will have more conversation with the pastor right after this It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arnold. I'm Than Bennett. In for Bill today, having a great conversation with Pastor Vermon Pierre. He is the author of Dearly Beloved, How God's Love for His Church Deepens Our Love for Each Other. It's part of a a theme today on the Afternoon Show, talking about marriage and specifically with Pastor Vermon, how our relationship with God and our relationship with others uh, mirrors this uh, this heavenly Father's, uh, not heavenly Father, the uh, the husband relationship in a covenant marriage with His bride, and we, of course, the the, the bride is the church, and we we are the church. So, uh, Pastor Pastor Vermon, I wanted to jump right back in. You you write in the book about several, I think, sort of intertwined topics. So you, you may you may describe it a little bit differently, but you write about delight, you write about intimacy, and about passion, and you know, to me, those are some of the more uh, descriptive components of healthy romance and of of vibrant marriages. But when we're talking about a marriage between God and his people, God in the church, God in us, help us understand what delight and intimacy and passion, help us understand how those fit in. What does that look like in that context?
2: Well, you know, we, of course, Spiritually married to the Lord. Uh, and by that bench, uh, by that, that same name, we're spiritually married to one another. So obviously, it's not entirely a one to one relationship in terms of physical marriage um, and uh, marriage to, to, to the Lord and to one another. But um, as I said, it sort of enters into those categories that I don't think we often think about uh, in the life of the church. Um, I've, I've said to some people, I, I wrote the book uh, as a way to bring back an idea of intimate love in in terms of relationships, uh, in, in terms of how we relate to another in the church. Um, and so uh, just picking on that one, you know, I think intimate love is really an expression by which we sort of realize that we are able to be close to one another and have a, a sense of of unity with each other. I think intimacy at, a, at a sort of its fullest expression is a type of unity um, that is unique and special, That's that spiritual speaking lasts forever, that will be above even the closest units we have on this earth. And so we see that, of course, in how the Lord has moved towards us and expresses his desire to be united to us. Uh, in that same vein then, you know, when we look at one another and, tr- and see one another in particular ways, what we're seeing is people who we're gonna be united to forever. And God has already given us ways to do that in the life of the church through the ways in which we have uh, shared worship together. Um, the ways in which uh, we even express a physical touch for one another. And obviously that can be misused. Uh, but uh, I think one of the things I say in the book is you know, just the significance of a hand in someone's shoulder as you pray for them. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the significance of of uh, someone you know well and that hug that you give them. is an expression of intimacy. Uh, it's not something you do with everyone. Uh, and again, uh, all that flows I sort of want to really label that. That's just not, that's not just something we do just because we hang out with each other. That's something that's generated out of the intimate love God has for us now expressed in our community with each other.
1: Hmm. So good. And I think, and, and cultivated over time, I think, which is, uh, I I think really emphasized in the book. Um, we've been talking a lot about application pastor and I just know when, when I write, I've written a handful of books and when I write, uh, the topic that I'm writing about, uh, ingrains very deeply into, to my being. And, um, I, the way I talk to people, I say, you know, it's really as though God asks me to write in order to teach me the lessons first, you know? Um, and so, any benefit that someone else gets out of the words that I write is almost secondary. And I don't know if you found that to be the case or not, but I'm curious about you. As, you have, as you've studied and as you've written into this concept of being deeply loved by God, how has it changed or has it changed you? How is Vermon the husband and Vermon the father and Vermon the pastor? How is, how is that guy different because of the concepts of this book?
2: It's given me categories to think about relation relating to people that i think i've needed um as i think any pastors listening know or anyone in any type of church ministry knows i mean especially if it's been at it a while for a while i mean it, it can be hard and especially when you see relationships begin to, to fray and to falter uh, and especially in these recent years and it's just given me a, a means by which to see people differently to see them less as you know people who will Um, I need to win over, or trick into going my way, or or people I need to summarily reject because uh, they don't agree with me on a particular thing. But to see them as as they're beloved to me because they're beloved to the Lord, and that just gives me just a a much different posture towards the the people around me, Um, and certainly in my own marriage. um, The more I realize how the Lord has loved me and drawn Himself to me, it, it. Reminds me of the kind of love I want to express towards my wife. And I say also say that, uh, I think like many authors, I, there's things in the book I write that I'm still trying to practice myself. So I, I write it as a way to remind myself of the things that I want to live out. And um, that's why in many ways I'm, I'm regularly reviewing what I wrote to remind myself <laughs> what, I, <laughs> what I realized and saw and to help me practice the things that I want others to practice as well.
1: I love the humility I, I do the same thing pastor I go back and, and i 'll read a chapter in a book that i wrote and i 'll be like wow that's that's probably right i should I should probably do that <laughs> that's, I, I might want to walk that out so that's good I think that's one of the ways that god that God works on us and draws us to his side so uh, let me let me go back to um another chapter in the book. you talk about presence, you talk about being present, and that to express love, whether it 's in- men- marriage or any other relationship that we have to be present. And as I read that, I you know, I just, this is probably saying the obvious, but we live in a world with lots and lots and lots of things that keep us from being present, right? And those things compete for our attention. So uh, how do do you deal with that in the book? And and what advice would you give uh, to all of us to to help us grow in being intentionally and consistently uh, present with both God and with others?
2: So we begin, of course, with how God was present with us. Um, God, uh, creates us and then chooses to live with us uh, the imagery in the garden is essentially and God is gonna be there and have its space uh, with humanity and that only continues uh, when God calls Israel to Sinai he commits to to be present with them and, and he Tabernacles with them right so we see the tabernacle we see the temple and God over and over uh, in, in really a mysterious way because God is obviously omnipresent uh, he's a created universe' he, he's, he's not physical like we are and yet uh, the 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 way the Bible describes God's relationship to his people, it impresses upon us, you know, he, he's that's going to be especially with these people. He's going to dwell with them, it says uh, in Acts 29. And, of course, uh, I mean, that culminates with Jesus. Uh, When Jesus comes, then I, I think one of the things that it's th- interesting to think about, I mean, they've been way more efficient for Jesus to come and do a weekend training with the disciples and, and then head out. <laughs> uh, that's what he does, Um, I think. It's very intentional that Jesus comes and lives a human life and lives with the disciples uh, and, and this physically inhabits space with them uh, and of course Jesus does all that so that he can die for us and then send his spirit by which the Lord now actually lives within us all the time um, and so it's that in that same basis because God's the emphasis of God's presence with us I think should lead us then to emphasize being present with each other and, and that's very simply uh, shared time in shared spaces right, over regular periods of time. Uh, I think it reinforces the importance of face-to-face uh, corporate worship. Um, when we didn't have that, uh, there's various reasons why we couldn't, and I think then all the more why we need to reclaim that, uh, the significance of being in a shared space at the same time with people. Um, the significance of shared meals, and there's uh, I can talk a lot about that, and uh, sort of alluded to that in Scripture, but there's there's, many th- there's, there's great things to study there. If you look at just the uh, many times in which uh, God's people come together around a meal, and I think that's very intentional. Um, hospitality, of course, is one of the uh, more important practices of the Christian church, because hospitality is, again, another way in which we express life together with one another. And all those, or, all those things are ways in which we show love towards one another that draws us closer to each other and can't help but do so, uh, even as we're really, we're drawn closer to the Lord.
1: That's so good. I'm so glad that Jesus didn't just come and give us a, a weekend seminar. He came and he lived amongst us. He dwelt. Uh, with us, and, and then he sent his spirit to remain with us. Pastor, uh, we're going to take a short break. Um, after the after the break, I want to ask about tough times. I want to ask about how, how do we stay committed during some of those tough times that you mentioned uh, just a moment ago? How do we model uh, what Jesus modeled for us when he was here? How do we model uh, how God is a husband to his bride, to the church? Uh, that'll be after the break. I, my guest is Pastor Vermon Pierre. He's the author of Dearly Beloved how God's love for his church deepens our love for each other, and we will be back with more conversation right after this.
0: Hi, this is Bill Arnold. You might be the kind of person that goes to Paris and still listens to Faith Radio on the app. Or you might be more like the person that goes into the next room in your apartment and listens. The good news is, is using the app is just as easy in both places. Downloading the free app is crazy easy. Just text the word APP to 877 and click the link. And if you happen to be in Paris, there is a really nice little coffee shop not far from the Eiffel Tower that serves a really nice chocolate biscotti.
1: I'm Than Bennett sitting in for Bill Arnold today on the afternoon show having a good conversation with Pastor Vermon Pierre. He's the lead pastor at Roosevelt Community Church. We are drawing from his brand new book called Dearly Beloved, how God's love for his church deepens our love for each other. Pastor Vermon, a few more questions for you in our remaining time. I wanted to I wanted to ask you about tough times. You alluded to this and how our love for each other can be tested during a tough times. And in, in the book, you talk a lot about choosing commitment in those times, commitment to Jesus, uh, commitment to the church, commitment to each other, and um, how that gets tested to, when we try to love through difficult times. So how, how do we do that biblically? I know there's, you know there's a lot of self-help out there, but we want to do this biblically. How do we commit ourselves to commitment even when the going gets tough?
2: Well, we see the example again of the Lord and the book of the Bible that especially shows that's committed towards us is, of course, Hosea. Um, Mm. Hosea has a wife who who leaves him and God commands him to to go pursue his wife. And so, I mean, clearly there's a lot of conflict (laughs) in that marriage. Uh, And yet that's exemplified by Hosea still pursuing his wife, uh, bringing her back home, uh, remaining in relationship with her. the book of Isaiah sort of makes clear that God has every right to, to divorce His people to leave them, and yet, basically, God says, "I can't, I won't do that." Uh, and the reason God can't and won't do that, and I think, what really the, the secret sauce of comm- what makes commitment work is uh, one of the most important doctrines we have in the gospel: it's grace. Uh, mm-hmm. And grace is is so wonderful for us; it's so wonderful for relationships. Um, I think that's what makes Christianity Christianity is that we talk about relating to one another, one another not based on well, this person deserves it, or I'll show this towards them, and then eventually they need to sort of pay me back <laughs> because of all that, what I've shown towards them. Grace is, is favor towards one another without conditions, without prerequisites, without expectation of being paid back. And it can be hard to say, well, how can I do that? Well, when we do that out of, the, out of really understanding how much grace God has poured into our life, uh, the Bible goes over the top in explaining God's abundant grace towards us, the riches of his grace, it talks about Ephesians 1. Uh, so God, we can never exhaust uh, God's grace towards us, so we can never, ever match it. Uh, and so we draw from that same well as we relate to each other. So grace allows us then in our relationships to be willing to sacrifice our pride, to be willing to forgive others and to be willing to confess our sins so that forgiveness can happen. Uh, it sort of requires both confession of sin and forgiveness is what heals relationships. And it allows us to have the time and space to make that happen. Forgiveness and, and confession don't always happen immediately, but it always puts us in the same room and and allows us to have the kind of uh time and energy needed so that our relationship can continue, you know all of that being exemplified exemplified by what the Lord did towards us
1: hmm. so good um let's talk about covenant i i as i when I read scripture around this issue, even when I read your book and and read through the material, it seemed like so often marriage and covenant are, are used almost interchangeably, right? And, and and feel free to disagree with that, or maybe maybe clarify that for me. But um, marriage is definitely described as a covenant relationship. So I guess, how, how does that covenant then translate to God's relationship with us? Talk, talk about covenant.
2: Well, we see I mean, one of the strongest expressions of covenant is Israel at Mount Sinai. And God's commitment to, to them, um, and uh, covenant, I mean, I, I often, often say, covenant is really just committed relationship, mm-hmm. uh, and committed relationship involves certain promises we make and obligations, right? So I promise to be this way. I, and in the same token, I also will live this way with you. And I think it's interesting to see how the Lord, uh, enters into covenant with us. And so it's, it's not a one-way street, it's a two-way street and God's saying, I will be your God and you will be my people. Uh, which you know in Judaism that's that's marriage language, right? That we're seeing there. Um, I'm going to be your guy; you'll be my people. Jewish wedding contracts. She is my wife, and I'll be your husband from this day and forward, for and forever. So the same sort of language uh, that's being used for how God describes His relationship with us, uh, and it, and it gives us then sort of the contours by which we understand just how God does relationship. God's not casual about relationship with us. Uh, he doesn't uh, sort of superficially date us. <laughs> Uh, God says, uh, I'm going to be with you and commit to you in a way that's unique, um, that's uh, that's special. Uh, so God committing this way to his people says very specifically, I'm uniquely sending my love upon these people. I'm going to uniquely live with them. I'm going to be with them. I'm going to be married to them. And it's that same then way in which we can think about how we relate to each other. Um, God relates to us in that way, and that's how he does relationships. Uh, It it points us then in that same direction for how we unite together with each other. And the Bible uses that same sort of language, I would suggest, Uh, the language of committed relationship, of presence with each other. One of the things we've been talking about so far, Um, that sense of of being united together and staying united together, uh, all born out of what the word has first done towards us.
1: I love that covenant is committed relationship, especially when the times get tough. It's remaining committed uh, to those relationships. That's what a covenant is, uh, Pastor Vermon. The last chapter in the book is about perseverance and um, this intimate marriage relationship with God that we've been talking about. It's a it's a, it's a wonderful thing. It's a it's a tremendous gift, but I think like human marriage, it it can be hard at times and. Um, Certainly as we are endeavoring to emulate and to mimic that covenant covenant relationship with other people, that definitely has challenges. That definitely gets hard. And you suggest and you write that it takes perseverance. So talk about that. Talk about perseverance in relationship, both with God and with others.
2: Well, our relationship with God has been rocky. It was rocky from the start. Uh, The only reason it's lasted is because of God's perseverance. Um, I think it's, it's, striking and important that God in describing his love towards us often says, you know, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Um Lamentation three says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. It all speaks to a love that's going to continue and that's going to endure, that's going to persevere, even through the roadblocks, even through the barriers, even through everything that uh that has come up in our relationship with God. God love love perseveres with us. And it's not to suggest that God is sort of blinded by his love. He's a doormat. Um there's things that need to be dealt with, but it needs to say Is a way of saying God's gonna stick with us. He sticks with us because God knows where we're headed. Um, That all the ups and downs of our relationship with the Lord eventually will lead to a final end. And I'd say it's always trending upwards to perfect joy and unity and love with God and with one another. And that persevering of love of God now is in us by his spirit. And that allows us then to endure with each other, to continue on with one another. But as you said, that can be hard. To do and so one of the, the the closing illustrations that i have in that chapter is i think one, one of the things that helps persevere in love is to have a clear picture of where you're going hmm. so in arizona there's a lot of places that you can hike to and they're beautiful they're wonderful but it, it takes it takes a bit to get there and while you're hiking uh you won't see that beautiful vista for a while and you may wonder like where is it i'm in pain uh this this uh trail is rocky and uh, I'm sweaty and with was, it was all these other things that might come in the way. Uh, the reason you continue going on is because you have a clear picture of what the end will look like. Maybe someone has shared it with you. Maybe someone has showed a picture of you of it to you. Um, you know, maybe you've done it once. Uh, all of this to say that like, what allows you to, to go through painful times is knowing that the end will be worth it. You'll be standing on top of the mountain and you'll see a sight and experience something that you could not have experienced if you had not persevered. And so the Bible does that for us too. Uh, it allows us to know here's where all things are headed. And we can have a significant foretaste of that when in the, in the life of the church. The church at its best is a wonderful foretaste of where we're headed. It's like a mile marker towards where we're going. And so keeping that in mind, keeping that vision in mind, I think allow us to continue to persevere in love with each other.
1: I love that so much, Pastor, a clear picture of where we're going. I, I actually, I wanted to ask you about eternity. I'm not sure we have time for a, a full answer here, but you really you really answered a big part of it. My kids ask me a lot about what heaven's going to look like or what it's going to be like, and I can't always answer them. And, and this concept of loving God and being loved by Him forever and ever, you know, joining Him beyond space and time and enjoying this kind of covenant relationship with Him, in eternity. It's hard for me uh, to put words to that. So I appreciate you doing that. Um, I think this book gives us a clear picture of, of how we start to model that, how we start to emulate that here on earth, and then we live it out for all of eternity. So I'm grateful for that. We've got just a, a couple of minutes left here, Pastor. Uh, where can people go to learn more about your work and where can they learn uh, more information about the book or where, where can they uh, purchase it?
2: So you can get the book at uh, amazon.com or moodypublishers.com or really any major book retailer that you buy your books from. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, uh, Pastor Roosevelt Community Church, so that's rooseveltchurch.org. We have a media page. And so you can see some of the things that, uh, not just I've done, but others, I'm connected to within our church do. There's a podcast, a couple other different things as well. And then I think in my bio, some of the things I've contributed to, uh, you're welcome to check that out. and. Uh, I'm on Instagram, Facebook. uh, Let me know what you think.
1: Appreciate it so much. He is Pastor Vermone. Uh, He is the lead pastor of Roosevelt Community Church. The book is Dearly Beloved, How God's Love for His Church Deepens Our Love for Each Other. And Pastor Vermone, uh, I'm just very grateful for your time. I'm grateful for the investment that you have made in this book. I think that it is going to reap wide rewards. And so I'm very grateful for your time. And thank you for being on the afternoon show today.
2: Appreciate it. Thanks for the time.
1: Pastor Vermon, Pierre, everybody. Again, the book is Dearly Beloved, How God's Love for His Church Deepens Our Love for Each Other. I really encourage you uh, to check it out. Pastor Vermon writes this, all of how we interact with one another, all of how we relate to one another comes out of how God first related to us. We see, feel, and relate to one another in and through and out of God, and specifically in and through and out of Jesus. It's a marriage, it's a, a marriage relationship, a covenant relationship. It will last forever, but we can begin to walk in it even now. Very grateful for this book, very grateful for Pastor Vermon Pierre. In the second hour of the afternoon show, we're going to have a conversation with Dr. Gary Lovejoy, and we're going to talk about marriages in the Bible. So we're going to continue this theme, but we're going to to draw on those biblical marriages for how we walk this out. So grateful for the conversation with Pastor Vermon, and we will be back uh, for the second hour with Dr. Gary Lovejoy.